back to recording again. Is everyone else recording? Recording. All right. So three, a two, a one. All right, everybody. It is another Saturday, which means it's another episode of Four Guys in a Comic. Uh, this is Tap, and with me, you know, I have all the guys, Red, Rusty, and Nova. And uh, this poll that we did this week, I decided, you know what, let's discuss one of my favorite genres, horror comics. Uh, so we did a poll of your favorite horror comics, and we'll do a spotlight on the winning comic here in a little bit. But first, I want to find out, what are your guys' favorite horror comics? So, Rusty, being the horror aficionado that you are, what are some of your favorite horror comics? Okay, so I'm going to start off from probably, I'll name my top three real fast. Um, third is probably Lock and Key. Okay? That's a whoa, really... Whoa, 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 You just said Lock and Key. How far have you gotten into Lock and Key? Uh, I'm through the second arc now. So, I'm still reading through it. I'm not like... Now we have a giant hiccup for me to read it, but, um, you know, I can still find it and stuff. Um, but yeah, I'm through the second arc, and so far, I really like it. I mean, like, compared to some of the other horror arcs that I've read, I mean, shoot, I've been stuck with Man-Thing at Marvel, and that was bad. Like, the new one, not the old <laughs> one, R.L. Stein one, that was bad. Uh, you know, so, you know, for new stuff, um, Lock and Key is really good. Um, number two, though, for me... I mean, it's if you want to call it horror, I consider it horror, but um, Man-Thing. Uh, Man-Thing from 1970s, Steve Gerber, um, great job as a writer on that. And then, you know, I love Val Merrick as an artist, but he alternated a lot of artists on that series. And overall, it stayed really good. It's kind of got like a creepy vibe to it, you know, and everything. And the Man-Thing is menacing. It's intimidating. He, uh, he prays at your fear. Um, the number one though, for me, um, it's kind of a tie, even though they're basically the same comic book, uh, Tales from the Crypt and Vault of Horror. So I love the classic EC comic stuff from the fifties, man. Uh, fifties horror comics are great. So is, uh, is, uh, what is it? Fear of Haunt? Is that one in there then too? Um, you know, what's funny is I haven't started it's kind Fear of, of Haunt. A Oh, really? I say they're kind yeah. of a trifecta. Yeah, they all three go on Tales at the same time. From the Crypt, what is it? Tales from the Crypt, Chamber of... Uh, no, it's um, uh, Tales from the Crypt, Vault of Horror. Vault of Horror and uh, uh, Haunt of... Or, yeah, Haunt of Fear. Mm-hmm. And then there's also like some of like the spinoffs and things that people have done, which is like what? Like Chamber of Chills and... Yeah, there's Chamber uh, of Chills. I mean, Marvel did their whole like weird run of it. I guess House of Mystery from DC is kind of like that, too. Um, and then also there's like a monster whatever from Marvel. Um, some of the other comic companies did stuff where it's like a weird love and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, there's like weird science, weird love. Oh, God. I can't remember them all. No, yeah. There's a bunch. There is all a right, bunch. So, Red, what are some of your. Because horror is not really your thing. I think you're more. I think you're more of like the weird tales type guy. Yeah. But what are, what are your favorites? Yeah, I'd say number one on my list is Weird War Tales. You know, Weird kinda, War. Okay. Weird War. You know, it goes with the war stories, and you know, you get the ghosts and the weird things that are coming up. Uh, you know, typically you'll see anywhere you know three to five stories within an issue, similar to EC, and a lot of great stuff. You know, the first issue, you know, 
comes out, you know, actually, I'm sorry, like the first few issues, you know, it's uh, Joe Kubert doing doing the work in there. And it's really great art, really good stories. Combination of, like I say, the weird supernatural mixed with the war. You know, you might have some World War Two Germany, Germany Nazis going around and being attacked by dead ghosts from the past. You know, just weird stuff going on. It's cool. It's fun. But I could say, you know, for me, it's one of those things where I can't have a constant diet of it. I need to, I can only take a little bit at a time. So, but I do enjoy some of the EC stuff. You know, like I say, again, I can't just binge read a lot of it. I can only do small doses of the horror stuff. I'm I'm with you on that. Um, I, I can understand that. So, Nova, what is your favorite? Yeah, my favorite. That's, um, it's weird. I was thinking about it when you asked that question. Um, like I, I don't really read horror and uh, I'm sure you guys know that too I'm not really big into horror but I realize I have read quite a few horror comics um, but if I had to choose one I guess I'd choose like I'd choose Hellboy probably that's my favorite by far it's got some really good artwork and uh, I, I like the horror elements to it it's mostly like the whole universe is like horror oriented so it's kind of cool but it's also got this cool uh, fantasy mythology behind it and uh, Satanism and all that. So, um, don't, I'm not into Satanism. I just like it in comic books. I think it's cool. It works well. So your favorite's not Cross Nova? <laughs> no. <laughs> so I got to ask, would you put Outcast in this category? Yeah. Okay, because I really do. I really do enjoy Outcast. What about Walking Dead? You're a big Walking Dead fan as oh, well. Oh, I am. I'm huge, but I don't I don't consider Walking Dead horror. But it's zombies. It's it would fall zombies. under the horror genre. I don't know. To me, it's almost more of a reality-ish type of thing. Post-apocalyptic yeah, Mad Max. Just, I just don't see horror when I read Walking Dead. I don't know for some reason. Fair enough. So, let's see. For me... Okay, there's just too many to name. That's the problem here. Um, <laughs> Rusty already touched on Lock and Key, so I'll leave that one alone. Um... My all-time favorite, and Nova would agree with me on this one, would uh, have to be Goon. Is Goon the really go- a horror? It it has horror elements. It has zombies and ghosts and monsters and uh, demony things. It's definitely, it definitely falls into uh, that. I guess you could say it's comedy. It's horror comedy, mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with some horror comedy. All right. No. Um, so the the goon would definitely fall in there. That one. Um, aside from the goon, oh god, I don't know, man. There's so many. Uh, like nail biter was really good. Uh, you like um, uh, what's his name? Um, from Chaos Comics. Hacks. Oh, Ern- yeah, Evil Ernie. Evil Ernie. Yeah, Evil Ernie's up there. Hack Slash has to be up there for me. I absolutely love Hack Slash. Um, so that one's definitely up there for me. That one is definitely more like of a gore type book, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely a big hack slash fan too. Um, oh, the the Wonderland books, the Xenoscope Wonderland books, those ones definitely fall in there for me. There's just too many to name. I'm gonna stop because they're also gonna keep going. This is gonna take forever. Um, so I guess what Rusty for you. Because you're, you know, you're kind of into the horror stuff. For you, what is it about the horror comics that you love so much? Well, it depends. Um, I mean, obviously, 
I want unique art, but not like I don't want the guy who does Old Man Logan to do the art for my horror comic, you know. But I want <laughs> I want unique art to where it's not cartoony. I like realistic art for horror comics. I don't know if it's just it plays closer to home i guess like in the reality of it i mean if you have a realistic depiction of a killing it's gonna bring out more emotion in you than a cartoony thing that you're gonna see like you wouldn't you know like in a tv show or something like that you know it it's not gonna strike you as much at home emotionally as if you know something like if alex ross all of a sudden did some horror comic where some guy just got like eviscerated like straight up his gut or something there's guts everywhere that's gonna bring like a really hard point to your psyche you know what i mean uh, it's gonna give you that kind of like oh that looks real like i you know i'm looking at a photo without actually looking at a photo of it you know um i i like the comics that are horror oriented that kind of bring out the emotion in you and um uh, you know stuff that seems like it could really happen i mean even in a supernatural sense uh you know it's that fear of the unknown kind of thing okay hmm. i dig it yeah so i want to just kind of curious what would you def what would be the definition of a horror comic what elements make up a comic to put in that uh, genre. Well, see, that's where it gets tricky because yeah. it's it's really difficult to say because you have, like, you have your suspense, you know, type comics. You have uh, just straight gore hound type comics, you know, where it's just straight blood and guts, like a crossed mm -hmm. type yeah. comic. Um, you have stuff where it's like, oh, it's zombies and zombies and are monsters or you have monsters. I mean, hell, even Tuma Dracula is considered a horror comic or werewolf by night is considered a horror comic just because you know it's dealing with and werewolf by night he's kind of a <coughs> superhero so i mean it's sort of a, a a weird thing um but yeah i mean there's yeah. is really it, it's hard and i i you know over the t times and i've thought about it, it's like do you define it define it by what kind of supernatural things you have in it or by the amount of people that die per issue you know <laughs> And I, I think I've always leaned towards that. How many people die in an issue? If it's yeah. more than, I don't know, five or something like that, then maybe it might be a horror comic. I was about yes. to say, that goes way back into, um, like we were saying, it, it, that's going to bring out the emotion. You know, you see one person die in like a superhero comic. You're like, oh, well, oh, well. You see like, like in a cross comic, you see like 12 people die in one issue. And you're like, mm -hmm. okay, yeah, this is definitely a horror comic. That's what they're going yeah. for. So... But then again, you still have the element of does this bring fear out in you in some way or does this bring you like to a point of where you're like, I wish this didn't happen to me. Uh, I don't know. Nova, what do you think? So first off, can you guys hear me? Yes. Great. Um, sorry. Um yeah, it's kind of weird. I agree with the whole mutilation thing. Um, that's definitely horror, just sort of... I think what, what what it was with Cross, even beyond the violence, is just sort of what people are capable of. And I think that's why Walking Dead is also a horror comic, because it gets to, like, where if you when you meet the governor and he, like, chops off Rick's hand and all this crazy stuff happens, you're like, wow, people are scary, man. Like, when when it comes down to it, like, the human mind is a scary place, and you start seeing these things where... Um, you know, it's just terrifying to think even that Robert Kirkman had these ideas. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but um, I do like 
the reason I like Hellboy so much is I do like the um, I like like Cthulhu and stuff like the the creatures and whatnot. I I think those are a big part of horror for me. That's just cool. seeing just seeing gruesome things and on the point of artwork um i like realistic artwork i think it's good but i also like like um when there's like just super i don't want to say cartoony but like again hellboy mark mike mignola's artwork isn't super realistic but he'll draw like these creepy architecture things or he'll draw like um you know he'll draw these weird creatures that would maybe look a little cheesy if they were like realistically drawn you know what i mean mm-hmm um, but yeah, horrors, I don't know, horror is a weird thing. I guess horror books are, you know, it's a horror book when you sort of, um, you, you sort of want to take a break, like, uh, like Red mentioned, you just sort of want to take a break after, after a little while and go and read something else, like just something to just bring you back to a neutral mental state. But yeah. Well, that's a thing too. I feel like all horror comics kind of deal with like, I mean, obviously something negative, you know what I mean? I mean, it may have a positive outcome in the end, but the majority of the story is going to be like negative emotion. Right. It's not something you're like, oh, wow, this is so happy. They are having yeah. a wonderful time, you know? It's like, wow, this is something I wish never happens to me, you know? Yeah, horror in general has changed. Like now, there, there's no, no one cares about the universal monsters anymore. Like mm-hmm. they're just like kids don't get scared of that. But it's all about like... um it is about real things, like real things that we see on the news that scare people, you know? Yeah. Or or possession. That will always be scary. Possession <laughs> will always be scary. The Exorcist will always be a scary movie, um, no matter what, what year you watch it in. Are there any possession okay. comics? Oh, Outcast. That's right. Yeah. Well, I guess we can talk about... Um, we can talk about some of Rusty's favorite things. I know how much Rusty loves his uh his EC stuff, Tales from the Crypt and Vault Keeper, Crypt Keeper, all those guys. The Old Witch I saw as well. I don't know who she is if if she shows up. She's uh so each EC comic has their own narrator host host yeah. is a better word for it because they all share stories in each each other's comics. Mm-hmm. Um, the Vault Keeper is obviously for Vault of Horror. The Crypt Keeper is for Tales from the Crypt. And then the Old Witch is for uh, Haunt of Fear. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, so, I mean, they all, like I said, co-star in each other's books. Um, what's funny in the comics between the three of them, if you actually read the old DC comics, is um, Vault Keeper was basically the original lead guy. Like... He got Vault of Horror first. So it went from Crime Mysteries, I think. Um, And then they were all three featured in uh, issue number five or seven or Mm -hmm. something like that. And uh, people liked them so much and responded so much to their stories that they decided to give uh, Vault of Horror a go. And Vault of Horror was led by the Vault Keeper, obviously. And the Crypt Keeper and... The old witch would show up in it and tell their own yarns, as he would say. So um, later on, I think like issue 19 of, um, you know, the Vault of Horror, they both, uh, the old witch and the Crypt Keeper, got their own spinoff comics. So, yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, have any of you guys read any of the uh, Carlton comics horror stuff? 
No, they like put what? out a lot. I don't think so. Yeah, um, I've read a couple things. It's been a while. Uh, now they, I want to say, you know, they kind of took it over. I think from EC after a while, mm. and really published. Oh, I think really more than anybody else. But it never really, I think, took ground because it was a lesser known um, publishing company publisher. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm just curious if you guys had read any. No, no what what year are those from? So I guess it was after. Maybe it was like the 70s or something. Yeah, uh, I want to say early 60s, probably like around 64 through the 80s. Yeah. Now, um, I guess, what is it with, like, we, we all sort of read the Tales from the Crypt this past week. Mm-hmm. And I, I really enjoyed what I read, but I think about it and um, compared to modern day horror comics, I feel like... I feel like they just got it more back then. Like the ideas were a lot more creative, you know, like there's, there's a lot of horror books out now, but it's not, there's nothing really that stands out as Mm -hmm. much, but you read these tales from the crypt books and you're like, who came up with this? What? There's all these twists that just get you like, wow, I thought I saw it coming, but I really didn't. Um, you think it was just the times read, I guess you were what, uh, pretty much just, coming off the the hydra rain there and just sort of take it chilling back a little bit reading yourself some ec horror i mean um was it just that that time they there was just such an emphasis on horror i don't know i'm not a history buff no yeah the horror was really big back in the day you know particularly like in the 50s you know you had your universal to me universal cinema was one of the things that really got the ground running with stuff i mean you had bill lugosi and people you know boris korloff and things like that that really took took the stuff to a new level because a lot of it really come from the cinema in my opinion you know back then you know you sure you had stuff you know in the golden days of cinema that were black and white but when things really got into color they were starting able to do a little bit more digitally not like they can do today but universal like the invisible man oh my god you watch that back in the day it's like there, there's a guy that's invisible and stuff is floating around the air like he's holding it. Today you watch movies like, oh yeah, that's all digital, computerized, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But yeah. back then, you know, Universal did it right. They had all these great movies and put that in combination with the comics. You know, the kids just really loved it because also you, there wasn't, they weren't desensitized also right. the way we are and grew up and our kids are growing up today because back then you didn't see that stuff in TV. You didn't hear it in the radio. You read it in the comics. That was the only place to get those gruesome things. Oh, my God. This guy got his brains blown, blown out. This woman died from poisonous perfume. <laughs> you know, <laughs> weird stuff like that. So the comics were the only place to get this gore. Yeah. So, yeah, no, that brought us to the comic book authority. You know, they're great. They did all sorts of great things for the industry. But on honestly, that is why they came about. All this horror stuff. Kids was could only read it through comics. So it's not like today. It just isn't. It'll never be that way again, unfortunately. But it yeah. is what it is. Well, you got to think about it, man. Like, I know you're saying that that's the only way you get gore in comics. I mean, like you said, the movies weren't like that at all. And, like, whenever you go to, like, EC Comics and stuff like that, what they were putting out, and you read these issues, because I know we all have read them now, it's like, like Nova was saying, how do you come up with these ideas? And then how do you get the mindset to make them so gruesome? You know, yeah. and if you think about it, you know, even that gruesomeness was censored through the movies and TVs. It couldn't get fly through there. The only place it can get 
out was through the comics. So all these people, these great, fantastic, nasty, weird, gross ideas, that was their outlet. It was through the comics. Yeah. Now, I want to go back a little bit. You know, we were talking about, talk, like, you know, what was the mindset of the people that were creating this? And I just kind of want to bring up a few of the famous people that went through EC Comics originally that you may know from some comics in the Silver Age now that started work in EC. So just to name like a few, we had um, Johnny Craig, who later went on to do the original Iron Man series that you remember. He did Iron Man 1 and 2 um and so on so forth um you had wally wood he started in ec you know i mean like he didn't start but that's where he got his name really out there right in the 50s um you had the man who uh started it all um uh, what's his name uh feldstein yeah al feldstein mm-hmm. who basically was behind the man behind ec comics oh. And they constantly had this constant rotation of different people that came in and out of the comic world. And, you know, going back and looking at what comics became in the 60s, before those men were the people they were, a lot of them started in EC Comics, doing these horror comics and everything else. Now, if the comic had standalone issues, it would work great today. It really would. But when you have issues where the story relies on the previous stuff and you have story arcs and things like that, it just doesn't work when you have different artists and writers come on. Like I said, standalone issues would be great. I would love to see that again. I would love to see something where it was just a standalone um, comic issue. Every issue was different. Or or maybe you can make it where one to two, I'm sorry, two to three issues is an arc. And then from there, it goes on to a completely new writer. And let all these different writers and artists come in and tell their, you know, one, two, three issue stories and then move on to the next. You know, bring back Marvel Tales or something like that where that's all they do. Rotate people around and tell brand new stories. For sure. So, uh, you know, getting further into these uh, Tales from the Crypt comics... um, Nova, I know you read a few this week. You may not remember the uh, numbers, but what was your, uh, what were some of the stories that were you read were about this week, and uh, what were some of the ones that stood out to you? All right, so I do remember the issues for for these two. Um, so it was a number thirty-eight. It was the first story. What's great about it too? It's a it's an anthology, right? So you get like four yeah. different stories in it. Um, I think it's four, but yeah, the first one was great. It was about. Um, so this woman's putting away these clothes into a chest and then you see the narration and you realize it's the treasure treasure chest that's talking and it's just like not treasure chest just a chest it's just like oh i feel i feel the love as she puts the clothes into me and all this stuff and it's this woman who's getting engaged uh, she's engaged to be married she's getting married to this guy and um this this chest just keeps talking about how it was like gives you its origin story how it was like purchased brand new and it was everyone was using it all the time and then it was neglected in the attic for like nine years or something like that and it fell in love with this girl who would always play with it and she grew up and became older and older um it's very weird but it's so like you're just like oh man this poor chest like it was just left in the attic for so long you feel Um, bad for the chest yeah and then um you meet her husband and the chest is like oh i have a bad feeling about this guy i have a bad feeling about him something there's something evil about him and um so they go away they go get married they go on their on their honeymoon to like a motel it was like the worst honeymoon ever 
Um, and as soon as they get to the hotel, they put the chest there. She's got all her belongings in that chest or whatever. And, um, and her husband takes out an axe and kills her. And he's like, my plan is I'm going to tell everyone you're not feeling well. So you're staying in your room. I'm going to have them bring food to the room. Uh, and then eventually I'm going to, every day I'm going to chop up your body, throw away new pieces. Um, and then at the end of it all, just say she ran away. I don't know where she went and I'll take all your money. Cause evidently she's rich. Um, which is what you find out at that point. So he's like 27, she's 40. So he's like a gold digger. Um, it was great. And then the ch- the chest this whole time is just like, oh, how am I going to get this guy back? So the guy actually puts all of her body pieces into the chest. So as he's putting pieces in, every time he puts a piece in, the chest is like, I slam down. And it shows him slam down on the guy's hand every single time. So it's like the chest has control over itself. It's so weird. Um, so, yeah, they do that. Eventually, the guy's like, uh, he closes the chest one day by accident and then the chest won't let him open it again. So he can't take out new pieces of her body to throw out. Um, so he's like, all right, I'm just going to send this chest to, uh, like throw it in a lake or something. He gets one of the bus boys to take it and throw it out and the chest opens itself up and all the body parts come out. So everyone knows he killed his wife. It's so weird. It's so weird. And then, uh, so they take this, they take this chest and they, it's a piece of like the evidence for the guy's trial um and the guy breaks in one night to try and steal it and something like that and he uh, it's just crazy this treasure chest ends up locking the guy in it and then it's weird the chest is like i exhaled really deeply and i shrunk and then it ends up shrinking and like compressing the guy with it it was super bizarre um but it was cool i like 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 who comes up with the idea of this story where you're a chest and this all this is happening Uh, it was really interesting and then Issue number 34, I think it was also the first story. It's basically like the point of view of, it's a first person point of view of Frankenstein. So it's like you wake up and there's this guy over you saying, wow, it was successful and all that stuff. And then you go to the town and you go, it was weird. It was really weird. It's like, um, reminded me of Ghostbusters because they always had that vibe as well. Um, Not Ghostbusters, Goosebumps, Goosebumps, I apologize. Um, They also had that vibe, those novels, but um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. They're really interesting stories. That chest one was a was a great way to start off a a magazine anthology. Really get you hooked in. Very cool. So, um, I I mean th- that's how it is though. One of the only things that I've really noticed, even though it is an anthology series, is that I've maybe found two stories, maybe two or three, and even though they didn't say that they linked together. Um, it shared a common character. Hmm. Um, so, and what was fun? Actually, it shared two common characters in the second one. What was funny is they you they didn't mention it at all to refer back to anything or anything. They made it seem like it was just one story, whatever. But it was a Johnny Craig story where he redrew two villains that he drew in previous issues, and uh, basically he put them in a cabin to get like they fell in love with each other and they went to a cabin one was a like vampire and the other one was like some kind of monster demon thing that that needed to survive by on the other person's flesh so the vampire was the girl and she lured him there to suck his blood thinking that he was gonna be an easy target in this cabin in the middle of nowhere and he lured her there to eat her flesh to stay alive and basically they found out each other's things and they're like well we're not gonna you know they actually fell in love and they're like we're not gonna 
eat each other and they got snowed into the cabin and so it was like either they eat each other to survive or they don't and they both die and it ended up being a really good one but uh, that's the only one that i've ever seen where it recycled characters from it interesting yeah but um you said it was the same uh writer or artist same artist oh gotcha yeah yeah i think it might have been the same writer artist creative team for both of them but only time I've ever seen it out of like twenty something, thirty something issues now. So yeah, yeah. But um, Red Skull, tell me a little bit about what uh, you read this week. All right. Uh, well, one of the stories that uh, I actually t- kind of enjoyed was basically had this uh, naval officer, the captain of a ship, and he has this beautiful, wonderful wife who, basically, as we find out in the story, only married him because he had money and was financially secure and, you know, the, the typical type of EC, you know, yeah. type of thing. Clearly, so, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, but of course his first mate came and fell in love. They, the, the first mate fell in love with the, his captain's wife and they fell in love with each other and had to figure out a way to kind of get rid of the captain to, you know, have a life that's life together with yeah. all of his money. So, Seems like a regular EC yeah, woman yeah. story. Yep. It, yeah. No, it is. It really is. Yeah. And through it all, you know, basically, you know, the captain, his first mate, they end up going to some island and they find the black dot. The uh, Basically, the first mate dies from the black dot, a gruesome death where he basically, his whole body quickly rotted. And they pushed the rotting body overboard, which was eaten by a whale that was following the ship at the time. They ended up capturing the whale and selling it. And the blubber was used for miscellaneous things, one of which was to make perfume oils, which the woman eventually got. And when she sprayed herself with the perfume oils, because the whale was contaminated with the black dot, it made her uh, rot and disintegrate on contact. Yeah, it was like, wow, that was some really twisted thinking. You know, a lot of points just to get to this one little, two little panels at the end yeah. for her to die by perfume. That's cool, though, that they did that much detail just to make you at the end be like, ugh. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. Um, i trying to remember what, what the, there was another one that I... Uh, another woman gold digger she had an apartment and she was trying to you know she's like oh my gosh i only have like two weeks to get three hundred dollars for my rent you know how what kind of guy am i going to sucker into this so one of the guys living in the building you know nerdyish, geeky kind of guy she starts warming up to him you know and finally you know he's kind of like okay yeah you know you know we can do something on the side and finally you know he's kind of like yeah you know you need to i want you to come up and uh I forgot the exact wording, but basically meet the wife. And so she comes up into the apartment, closes the door, locks it, and the wife is a vampire. So he brought her there so that his wife can eat her. (laughs) Twist. It was a big twist. I was not expecting it. Not expecting it at all. You thought that she was going to be the bad guy. Yeah. He ended up getting her. That's cool. Yep, exactly. He thought he was going to be a victim in the end. And nope. So it was your typical EC, nice. though. You know, in the last couple panels, everything switched around on you, and you're like, oh, wow, okay, cool. Yeah. And there was a couple of them, I'll be honest, it was just kind of like, eh, okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not every story in an issue is hitting, yeah. you know. Yeah, there's, um, I just remembered really quickly, there's one I read. It's about this dude who, keep, who keeps going to Mardi Gras and meeting the same girl year after year. They all wear the, they wear the same outfit every single time, the same costume. And he's like, yeah, this time, you know what? I'm going to marry her. He asked her to marry him. She says, yes, they get married. And she's like, she has this mask on this whole time of this old witch. And um, 
he's just like i've never seen you without your mask on like i like uh, i want to kiss like take your mask off let's kiss she's like no let's get married first they get married they go to the room she's like no wait 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 let me turn the light off first turns off the light they go they do their thing they go to sleep and while this guy's sleeping he has like recurring nightmares of like he takes her masks off he take her takes her mask off sees this sees that sees this and um there's one time where he keeps seeing over and over again that her mask is like covering up the same thing so her face is actually an old witch type face right so he wakes up one night and he's like take off your mask take it off and he starts fighting with her and grappling with her eventually he takes it off and it turns out it was her face the whole time so he had ripped off ripped off her flesh and they just show her with no face anymore she's like that was my face all along <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy it's a little wild that's a little mutt that's <laughs> It's one of those good ones, though. We, I guess Red and I must have read like the um, Red. Red he read the Gold Digger issue, um, and I guess I read the uh, Old Lady issue or something. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. But there's a lot of those. They cross it multiple times. Yeah. So, so, um, tap. Yeah. What What did you read this week for it? Um, so for, to help prep for this week, I went back and read some, uh, older stories. I did kind of a couple, uh, uh, Fear of Haunts, and I also did some Tales from the Crypt, and I did, kind of did, like, the whole trifecta crew, you know, the Vault Keeper, the Crypt Keeper, and the Old Witch, um, just because, well, they all tie in together, and they're all pretty good in their own way, um, but... The the two stories that really kind of stuck out to me was there was one, I mean, it's just so classic, like, 1950s, man. It's just so, I don't know, it's, it's awesome. So, basically, this guy, <laughs> he uh, is walking in his backyard, and his wife starts freaking out because he's about to step on her prized petunia. And she's like, I mean, she, this woman is freaking out. She's like the oh, queen wow. bee, you know what I mean? Like, she's just losing her mind on this dude. And... Uh, He's like, oh, well, I want to, uh, uh, what did he say? He wanted, Oh, he wanted to put out a lawn chair in the lawn so that he could sit and, like, read a book. And she started freaking out on him, saying, no, you can't put anything in my lawn. You're going to ruin my lawn with this chair. It's going to crush the grass. And, like, I mean, this woman was, like, a hardcore green thumb, I guess. She's like, nope, you can't put the chair there. And he's like, but, honey. And she's like, nope, not going to happen. So then he goes... And he puts, uh, he tries to like hang up a hammock because then, you know, it's not touching the ground and then he can lay in it in the hammock. And she starts freaking out. She's like, no, you're not putting up this hammock. Uh, that nail's going to kill the tree. And he's like, this little nail is not going to kill that big of a tree. She goes, no, you're not putting in a hammock. So then he's like, God damn, like, I can't do anything. And um, needless to say, they end, up have, they end up throwing like a party. They have like a barbecue. Um, in their backyard and all of his friends just get completely annihilated and they all start like running and trampling through like the grass and ruining her yard and stepping on her prize petunia and like all this other stuff so she absolutely like just loses her mind and ends up grabbing like an axe and chopping up her husband and then the last panel is like parts of her husband laying on the barbecue and she's like you're right gardens are for barbecues (laughs) 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 it was just such a classic like 50s story it was awesome um 
the other one that I had is actually it's just a fun one because um, every once in a while, uh, you know, they'll involve the crypt keeper, like or you know, the old witch or the vault keeper, where they will be in the story as sort of like a character or like a part of the story. And in this one, uh, the crypt keeper was kind of a, a part of the story. Um, so basically, it's about some con men who uh, pose as a travel agency. And they they book your your vacation, and so then they have your address and stuff, and they know when you're gonna be gone, and so then when you're gone, they break into your house and steal all your stuff. Um, well, this woman ended up still being home when they tried to uh, break into her house and stuff. So then they get this other call um, from a gentleman uh, by the name of TCK. And uh, he invites them over and says, you know, I want to book this vacation. I'm going to be gone for two weeks and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they say, oh, okay. So they book it and they go and this is old, like, decrepit house. And they walk in and they, like, fall into the basement. And there's, like, zombies and vampires and werewolves and just, like, every, like, 1950s type, you know, monster that you could think of that would be in a comic. And these guys are trapped in this basement for like two weeks. And uh, they end up getting out. And as they're running out, um, there's the, the homeowner is coming home from their two-week vacation. And they look up, and then the next panel, it shows that it's the Crypt Keeper. It was his house that they were in the whole time. And he's like, sometimes you just have to catch it yourself. He goes, who did you think TCK was? <laughs> and... Uh, um, so yeah, he goes, they've been trapped in my house for two weeks and yeah. So, I mean, it's just sort of like a fun little story that involved the Crypt Keeper and it was just, I don't know, it was just a fun story. Like that's the thing about these books is, you know, in the fifties, they probably were terrifying to children. Nowadays, kids are going to be like, this isn't scary, but it's still a fun read. And yep. I think that's what matters is does it, does it make you smile? Is it a fun read? Do you have a good time doing it? And I think that's really kind of what you know, means the most to people. Um, so in regards to Tales from the Crypt, though, um, at, for, okay, so the 1950s comics, he doesn't, the Crypt Keeper does not look like the HBO Tales from the Crypt Keeper. He looks like an old man with like a snaggle tooth. Um, so for you guys, what was your first experience to Tales from the Crypt? Was it the TV show or was it the comics? comics this post oh, for you it was the comics mine was the yeah. tv show yeah mine was the tv show as well yeah no mine Nova was, was yours mine the tv was, show no mine was the comics this past week really really those three <laughs> stories i read my friend yes he knows absolutely nothing about tales from the crypt you've never no, seen the no, show no i'm just really? never heard i'm john castier i'm just, just seeing the crypt keeper from the show now yeah he looks very holy different holy cr- dude he looks amazing yeah, and that's great. all practical that's all practical effects yeah. too that's not digital that is oh, all sure. practical effects one of the greatest things about the tv show and i never i mean i kind of realized it before but it didn't strike me until the stories i read today from uh tales from the crypt 30 um but the crypt keeper in the show makes a lot of jokes in the dialogue seems like it's something straight out of the comic book from the narration like even the corny jokes and everything else it's all like spot on Mm -hmm. well i have the first two seasons on dvd i might just have to bring these to uh to novacon with me and we're gonna hang out in the hotel room and watch some tales from the crypt yeah man 
Yeah, bring a six pack uh, and just turn it on. Man. Yeah, there you go. Like a lot of actors actually got their start um, in Tales from the Crypt. Like, uh, or like, I guess they were like up and coming. Like Demi Moore was in one. Oh, wow. Um, I don't remember. There's a lot of I, Brad Pitt might have been in one. There's a lot of actors. That yeah. Are, like, there's a lot of people that, that featured in it too. Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a guest on it at one time, even. So yeah. yeah. And John Kassir as the voice of the Crypt Keeper is one of the most epic voices you will ever hear. True story. You've got to find like just like a YouTube clip and listen to it. Just even like the intro. It is the most amazing voice. And actually, when I was at O Comic Con, we met this guy um, who like restores uh, old uh, arcade machines and whatnot. And we were talking to him, and I said oh, I really want the Tales from the Crypt and the Munsters pinball machines. And he's like, oh, I have the Tales from the Crypt one. And I, he's like, and I customized it and did this. And he's like showing me this video of his video game arcade vault in his basement. And there it is, like this Tales from the Crypt 19, mm-hmm. like I was like 94 uh, pinball machine. And it, it looked gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. But he said, here's even something cooler. He goes, me and my wife, we go to like these horror cons and we actually met uh, Kassir, and I had him do um, a, a voicemail for my wife's phone. And he goes, here, let me call my wife and just pray she doesn't answer so you guys can hear her voicemail. And it's straight up, it's John Kassir, and he's going, like, oh, Monica, I can't do the voice, but picture the voice. And he's like, Monica can't come to the phone right now. She's all tied up. <laughs> yeah, Please good. leave a message, blah, blah, blah. And then he goes, what? What is that? Shut up and get back in your cage. Like, it was just, it was like this, like, 45-second long voicemail, and it was just epic. And I That's said, cool. oh, my God, I really want him to do my voicemail. Mm. Now, I'm in IMDb right now looking at some of the uh, actors that have been in the show. And I'm sure some of these you may uh, recognize. Um, Bobcat Goldwaite. Oh, yeah. Yep. yep. Uh, let's see. Michael Ironside. I always love Michael yeah. Ironside. Uh, let's A see. monkey's uncle. Yeah, let's see here. <laughs> Let me go through this real fast. Uh, Harry Anderson. Always loved Harry Anderson. Uh, Martin Downey, Morton Downey Jr. Oh, William Hinckley. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, Demi no, Moore, which you. we mentioned. <laughs> Don, what, what's all me? Uh, William Hinckley. Okay, you guys watch uh, National Lampoon's Vegas Vacation? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, I mean, I'm sorry, Christmas Vacation? Oh, yeah. yeah. Remember the old man with the stogie? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 I do, actually. There you go. Okay. That's him. Okay, Don Wrinkles. Yes. Uh, Richard, Richard Thomas. Uh, of course, my favorite actor ever, Kirk Douglas. Uh, Terry Garr. John Glover, Whoopi Goldberg, uh, Jesus, John Lovitz. I mean, I could keep going on. There's so many in here. But awesome. Margaret Kidder. Uh, I guess I need I to check it. it out then. Yeah. Yep. You do. You're missing Joe out. Joe Pesci, Christopher Reeve. Oh, dude, it's awesome, man. And it's yeah. there's a lot. Of, I think there's like eight seasons. You can even pick them up on DVD. Super, yeah. super cheap. I think you can YouTube yeah, you can. them if you really want. Oh uh, yeah, I'm yeah, sure. Probably. Oh, Ernie Hudson was in there. I didn't. Oh yeah, I forgot about. It. Yeah, Tim Curry. Yeah, there's Jesus. there's a lot of them, and you know some episodes are. Eh, yeah. You know, yeah. But then there's other ones that are like a lot of fun. It just kind of they're all kind of hit and miss. But my favorite part from the Tales from the Crypt TV show is the banter with the Crypt Keeper. It's not even like the actual anthology stories. It's the banter with the Crypt Keeper. Yeah. Like, that's what makes that show so freaking amazing. Now, um, a while back, I remember I got y'all to read that um, The House 
basically uh, that uh, frat boy uh, Tales from the Crypt story. You, yeah. you remember that, Nova? Frat boy. The one where they all, they dared the kid, the pledges to go into the house, uh, the haunted house or whatever, and they had to make it to the attic or whatever and flash their flashlight in different yeah, windows. Yeah, yeah. Okay, they have a uh, Tales from the Crypt episode that is based off of that that you really need to watch mm. um the only thing is is that the ending is completely different from the comic story Good or bad. and it makes no sense that they changed the ending of the tv like you're gonna like you're gonna remember the story while watching it and you're gonna be like why there is no purpose there was zero purpose in doing what they did so something to look out for but like you said there's a lot of really really good tales from the crypt stuff um but if you haven't watched it before and you don't watch it before then i think tap's gonna make you watch it um tnt actually scheduled out a new series for tales from the crypt it was canceled nope they <laughs> re-greenlit it when uh, a week ago week and a half ago really and it's still by m night Shyamalan. I don't know how I feel about that. His I don't know either. Mi- his stuff's hit and miss with me. However, I will say, uh, what's that one that he just did with Professor X uh, with McAvoy? Oops, it had to um, start with the P, didn't it? I know I saw it. It's it's basically an unbreak. Spoiler alert! It's basically yeah. like an unbreakable sequel. sequel yeah. It's in the same oh, universe um, as Unbreakable. It's a, based off of uh, Samuel Jackson Glass. Split. Well, that's split. that's a that's split. They did that's split, it. but now they're gonna make Glass also, which is based off yes, of Samuel yes, Jackson. Yes, 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 because they're bringing that back. But no, Split was actually really, really good. I really like that. So movie. if M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong can do, <laughs> can can do that like Split did, because like I said, his movies are him as like Sixth Sense, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Signs, it was good the first time I saw it, uh, but like Lady in the Water. Dude, that was horrible. The village? Come on, <laughs> really? So I hated the village. Oh, man. Uh, the, his movies just went downhill and went downhill yeah. quickly. The happening was that one was him. I'm pretty sure that one was okay. Um, but like I said, Split was awesome. So like, if he can marry it and like do cool stuff, I think it would be yeah. pretty sweet. But. Well, get this: he's actually taking submissions from fans if they want to pitch episode ideas. That's so, cool. if you're out there and you can find the link on Google, you can pitch your own idea for it to be a story on the new Tales from the Crypt on TNT from thing. I don't know how I feel about it being on TNT. Yeah, either. I know. That's going to be toned down so much, dude. Let it, it be on AMC. You want to do something, let it be on AMC. You want to get, dude, yeah. let it go to AMC. Yeah. yeah. Something. But I'm just sitting here hoping Or that let it's HBO not... bring it back. I'm hoping at the end, you know, that they don't screw up the crypt. I'm wondering if they're going to make it a human or not. That's my biggest No, I think, okay, I know they're not going to, and I'm probably going to hate it just because of this, but if they don't do the original, like, uh, dummy with John Kassir, I don't even want to watch it. Because, like I said, that's what made the show. It wasn't the anthology that made the show. It was the banter with the Crypt Keeper that mm-hmm. made the show what it was. And honestly, it's the banter in the comics that makes those what they are. I guarantee you, without the Vault Keeper, without the old witch, without the Crypt Keeper, those comics wouldn't have done nearly as well if it was just like a series of like stories like that. It wouldn't have been the same. Yeah, it was their hook, which worked well. Yeah. Now, yeah. 
what I noticed about while I was reading those books is there's like a bunch of text. You're pretty much reading like half a novel. Um, yeah. But it's so, it's really well written. They because they do they they put a spin on that even like I said like the the chest one. It's this chest narrating to you how it's feeling, or like this you know there's always some weird. It's just well written, I guess, is what I'm saying, um, which makes me wonder like what what's happened. I mean, there are some comics now, even ignoring horror, where I'm just like, I don't want to read all this text. It's like, there's, it's not enjoyable. So how come you can read half this novel? Um, I don't know. It's just... Uh, this is different writing, different writing styles from then compared to today. I, I agree with you, though. Like, there's some comics where it's even just art-based, modern comics, you know what I mean? Where you, you could just fly through them. Yeah. But you can sit here and read these 1950s EC comics that are, like, horror-based, and it may be just, like, a three-page story or whatever, but it pulls you in with the text, like, like that. The, the mm-hmm. art could be horrible, but you're still sitting there reading these dialogue yeah. boxes, like, what's going to happen next? So. I mean, think about it. You, I mean, you got a lot for your 10 cents back then. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of, those things were like sixty. I think a lot of those issues were even like sixty-four pages or something, like forty-eight mm-hmm. pages. Like they were yeah. big, thick comics. It wasn't like yep. a twenty-eight page comic. And mm-hmm. you weren't waiting a month to finish finish the story because it was done in eight pages or less. Exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. It's exactly. it's really good that um, I'm surprised that you can still find these like so easily. It always surprises me when these golden age comics well, are being like recolored and. Yeah, it's all reprints, redone and all that. Yeah, there's yeah original ones, man. Those are in the thousands. Yeah. But no, I just DC comics are expensive. I just mean in general, I'm I'm glad there are these archives we can sort of go back to, and you know, considering all the book burnings and the crazy stuff that was happening by kids just like trading them and throwing them out and just wearing them down, it's really good that there's these archives we can uh, we can all enjoy. Yeah, yeah. Now I will say this. Uh, Nano, we're about to hit the hour mark here in like the next eight minutes or so. Um, but they have started doing new Tales from the Crypt comics. And some of the modern ones that came out before the ones that are going on now. Because right now it's done by EC and Super Genius. But there was a series that came out in like 2010, something like that, somewhere around there. And they are the most horrible like god awful things i've ever read in my life or seen is not necessarily the text but it goes back to where they're making these tales from the crypt comics um a few of them are free on comicsology where it looks like it was drawn by like a kindergartner or a first grader and they're trying to make horror comics that look goofy as hell and it's like how can i be intimidated by this comic when the art is just like it looks like it was drawn by a little kid but uh new tales from the crypt um there's two issues out so far they are super delayed like there's like this uh issue three was supposed to come out in june and then it got pushed back to july and now it's got pushed to august and um the last one that came out issue two came out in april Hmm. so it's like are we ever gonna get this other issue but one of the cool things about it is um, they're doing rotating artists on these. And um, this issue three is actually going to have uh, Scott Lobdell writing in it. Ooh. So, oh, cool. Yeah. Um, some of the other ones, I think they've had Larry Hama do stuff in mm-hmm. them. And the other ones, um, they've also had um, 
a few other guys that are just like real big name and then there's also they're pairing them with people that you've never heard of before but they're doing great jobs on the comic stories and stuff just and who is this through uh super genius comics hmm. yep they're pairing with ec because ec doesn't actually publish anymore interesting yeah well hopefully we'll see more of a big return come you know with the horror genre Things go in cycles, so maybe it's time for it to come back big and strong. Hopefully. Yeah. Well, one last thing here that I wanted to touch on is kind of an honorable mention that a lot of people did uh, did mention when I was talking to other people like via Facebook and things about their favorite horror stuff. And um, they said that while it wasn't technically a comic, but I still say it falls under it, um, it's uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein... But mm-hmm. the one that was redone in '83 for Marvel Comics, where Bernie Wrightson did all the art, um, they released it back in 2008, and in Dark Horse actually released it in 2008 in an oversized hardcover. Uh, it's like a nine by twelve inch oversized hardcover, um, and they rescanned all the original art. Well, the original art that they could find anyway. Um, into this book. And so it's actually Mary Shelley's Frankenstein that you're reading and this giant oversized book, but all with uh, Bernie Wrights and art. That's cool. I didn't even know this thing existed until about a week or two ago. Yeah, and his artwork it is, is like incredible. Oh, it is it's insane. So, so for those horror fans out there, I had to put that one out there. It wasn't an honorable mention, uh, if you will. And it's, oh my god, it's absolutely gorgeous. Unfortunately, the book's now out of print, so if you want to get it, you're going to have to probably shell out a pretty penny, but um, it is absolutely amazing. I was just kind of like Googling like the art and stuff in it just to kind of see what it looked like, and it's freaking incredible. Like, oh my god, Gene Colan, Tom Mandrake, Bernie Wrightson, like those guys are all just, masters of their craft when it comes to drawing like horror and whatnot i love it let's say one horror thing we failed to mention that's huge is vampirilla (laughs) is that horror i haven't i think it's i put under horror vampire horror (laughs) (laughs) no but it's got a big huge following yeah it's true it has for a long time printing those comics for forever now it seems like yeah, it's, yeah it's I'm, I can't actually say anything. I'm not very familiar with it. Yeah, I just, I'm not a fan with the look of the character. It's judging just, a book by its cover. I am, <laughs> I am actually. Or lack so, thereof. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't seem like something that would be up my alley. Typically, you know, she's wearing a nothing. <laughs> yeah. That they, they really switch. I mean, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but it, like I said, it has a huge following, though. I will say, when I was 13 and I saw that in Wizard Comics, I was a fan. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, but nowadays, it's like, eh, I look for a lot more in my comics than just pinup art. Like, that's not really my thing. Yeah. Some people love it, and hey, that's good for you. But for me, not my thing. But I'll be honest, I, I really haven't read little i've read little to none of it i would, wouldn't mind actually picking up some of the stuff from the 60s and 70s to seeing what it was originally yeah. like before it turned into this you know more of a sex goddess mm-hmm. type of thing Smut. yeah so I'm, I'm pretty sure it started off well yeah, yeah. it had to, to continue yeah, going no, it, it did you know it I mean? had to 
And I know it was written by a, a female. I just cannot remember her name off the t- off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that she's. Um, I mean, if she's trying to lure guys in to get their blood. It, what, what else is she gonna wear, right? Of course, of course, mm, she's gonna exactly. be dressed that way. But um, yeah, no. Hey, I just want to point this out. Dracula was fully clothed. I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. No, he was. There's no. I guess so. He was. Yeah, no. that just means Dracula had to try harder, right? No, I mean, see, that's how suave he right, was. Right, but he was rich. He didn't, he didn't he need was rich. the sex But he appeal. had mind he control. A, he had, he that's was true. He had a castle. He, he had a castle. All right, now, I don't know much about Vampirella, but maybe she didn't have a castle and needed another hook. He had a big stake in his pocket. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I'm never happy to see anyone, so, uh, hey, come on in. But yeah. Is that wood? <laughs> uh, that's good. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. yeah um, and on that note... <laughs> One one shout out I want to give I I can't wait to check it out. Um, Alan Moore recently finished Providence, which is his like love letter to Lovecraft horror and all that stuff. Um, so I'm pretty pumped to check that out and see what he did. Apparently, it's like people compare. They say it's the Watchmen of horror comics, whatever that means. Um, so it's it must be good. I mean, it's Alan Moore, so you know you're gonna get a lot of. Uh, it's gonna be a good throwback to EC with a lot of text in there. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to shout that out. From Avatar Press, so. Ooh, Avatar oh, doesn't cool. let you down. They don't. They don't mess around, man. Nope. No, they don't. Awesome. Close this out, right. tap. Well, that's gonna wrap it up. Stay tuned for well, an older interview, but a goodie. And uh, until next Saturday, the ooh, actually, real quick, we gotta give a shout out Novacon. We will be actually when you're listening to this, we will be at Novacon as we speak. Um, well, everybody but Rusty. Yeah, I'll be there. In I'm sure Skype he's gonna spirit. be. I'm sure he's gonna be so happy when Novacon's over, so we can stop saying this. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> so come on by, stop at our booth, and say hello. Yes, yeah, say hello. Yes, We're gonna be recording all weekend, so uh, we've got candy. Oh. <laughs> all right, so the power is yours, Excelsior. You stay classy, Internet. Hell Hydra. <laughs>